You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Now into our science and technology news, hurricane scientists are saying that they've never seen anything like the three hurricanes that are currently lined up in the Atlantic Ocean making landfall Causing uh, devastation, on, uh, really, on the yeah. west coast of Florida, doing amazing damage. I mean, just, you know, some of those islands in the Caribbean have just been absolutely flattened, the top blowing off mm. them, really terrible for the local inhabitants. There's not really much you can do about it when you're faced with hurricanes of this scale and magnitude. One thing that I found interesting is that a photo that was taken in 2010 of three hurricanes seven years ago, there was Carl, Igor and Julia. The satellite images are very, very similar, quite yeah. uncannily Positioning similar. Positioning is very similar. Yeah, yeah, but in fact, I think what happened, Julia never made landfall, so it was a bit of a lesser system. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the, the energy being packed by Irma has, has exceeded what, yeah. uh, what we saw back in 2010. I think those hurricanes also followed the El Nino cycle, you know, once the, the warmer waters that were there. Yep. So seven years ago or eight years ago, I think it was, but there was an El Nino cycle then and then the hurricanes followed that and we've had a similar cycle now. So I imagine that the warmth in the waters has been a contributing factor to these hurricanes. Yep, I think you know. that's what people are saying. And of course, it's, it's sparked a bit of a debate in America between the people who are sort of climate change deniers mm-hmm. and the people who are saying, well, look what's happening. Look at the weather around the world. It's not just in the Caribbean and, yep. and off the Atlantic with hurricanes. It's in India. They've had unbelievable flooding there. Mm-hmm. It just seems... Well, hurricanes existed for many years and yeah. many many there's been many hurricanes before there was uh, you know coal uh, fired power plants there is suggestion and i do agree that uh, th- with all this extra energy in the atmosphere that has cr- created an influence on yep. the hurricanes yep. and uh, put more energy into that system you can't have a system where whenever the weather does something weird, you go, oh, it must be climate change. Because, right. the, you know, the, you're talking about a chaotic system and it's been doing weird things forever, not just from when we've been keeping records. The photos are quite similar, those ones that were taken of Carl, Igor, Julia back in 2010. The other thing is that the winds that are being packed are about, about the sort of 210 kilometres per hour, which is you know pretty forceful. Yeah. But don't forget back in 2011 when Cyclone Yazi hit Mission Beach up in uh, North Queensland mm-hmm. in Australia, that had 300 kilometre winds. Yeah, wow. I'm not trying to trivialise what's happened in the Caribbean in Florida at the moment, uh, a really dire situation and a lot more people living there than up in far north Queensland where Yazi hit, but the winds were higher then. I'm sure there'll be some interesting scientific conclusions that come out of this, but at the moment, scientists are kind of gobsmacked that there's uh, these three s- systems mm-hmm. lining up and doing that kind of damage. Now, if you've ever wondered what orbital debris looks like and how it's made, there's actually some footage you can view online of an Indonesian communications satellite. It's called PT Telecom. It was an 18-year-old Telecom 1 satellite light it broke up into a large cloud of debris it it was actually caught on camera doing this there's a couple of companies that do this one of these is called exoanalytic solutions and they use a network a network of more than 160 optical telescopes to mono the geostationary arc which is a 36,000 kilometer high belt around the earth where most telecommunications satellites reside pt telecoms satellite i think ran out of fuel they lost control of it they have tracked all the larger objects of this satellites break up but they're they're struggling at the moment to uh, to, to get down to the small ones with post-processing they can actually view things down to about 10 centimeters in size smaller than that they're not 
able to see them as clearly. And obviously, it doesn't take something large. If you have you know something the size of a marble mm-hmm. traveling at very high speed, yeah. orbital escape velocity, so what, 26, 27,000 kilometers per hour hitting the International Space Station mm-hmm. can do a lot, a lot of damage. So, so is there a risk of it doing, you know, hitting well, other satellites? Is that look, what there, I think there is. I yeah. mean, it's just adding to this big problem about orbital debris. There's a lot of stuff up there that's useless. We've been launching satellites since the 1950s. A very large number of them are now out of control, mm-hmm. breaking up, bumping into each other, and adding to this cloud of debris around the Earth, which is a growing problem. I mean, so it, do, do they continue to decay and then they uh, burn up in the atmosphere? Well, some yeah. of them do. You know, because they're quite high. They're, these are thirty-six thousand kilometres high, mm-hmm. so they're way beyond the the orbit of the International Space Station. Yeah. But yes, they can degrade and burn up safely, or on the way down before they decay and and uh, hit the atmosphere, they can do damage to mm-hmm. other satellites or even orbiting space stations as mm. well so uh, concerning stuff there we'll try to post a link of the video which shows this thing breaking up but it is a bit of a disturbing sight it's at least the second debris creating satellite exoanalytic solutions has tracked in the past three months in june its telescope network tracked debris associated with the still unexplained failure of amc9 a 14 year old communication satellite that fleet operator ses was using to serve north america in addition to telecom one and amc9 the 20 year old echo star 3 failed in late July, right around the same time, another SES satellite, the 19-year-old SSS-806, lost roughly a third of its transponders to an unexplained glitch. So mm-hmm. things can happen, and unfortunately, the last few months has been bad for satellites up in that high 36,000 yeah. geostationary orbit. Now, over in America, a bunch of, in fact, not just a bunch, uh, 143 million people have potentially had their social security numbers and other hard-to-change personal data compromised, compromised, breached. Yep, Equifax is a company that handles this sort of data. It also does things like credit reporting, personal credit reports and activity. So it's got a lot of personal information that makes it a, a real honeypot for hackers to try to get into. They're saying that with this, the scale of this breach and the fact that it's hard to change social security numbers over in the States, that this information could be circulating on the dark web for years to mm. come, being bought and sold and traded. Some it, of the information they took, apart from the social security numbers, with birth dates, addresses, driver's license numbers, and even uh, credit card numbers. It's, it's really disturbing. Now, the, the company Equifax has set up a website, which we will post. You can click on that and it tells you whether you're affected or not, whether you're one of the 143 million people. You know, not good for the company because they're being trusted to secure this data. Yeah. And clearly, they haven't been. Be. The CEO has come out and said, this is clearly a disappointing event for our company and one that strikes at the heart of who we are and what we are. I apologise to consumers and our business customers for the concern and frustration this causes. That's the chairman of Equifax and the CEO, Richard Smith, saying in a statement, we pride ourselves on being a leader in managing and protecting data. Well, maybe not, so much, to do that. Yeah. not so much now. Moving on with the news, a new gold rush is hitting the golden state of California mm-hmm. and it's all to do with Marijuana. They've legalized it for recreational use. So we're not talking about medicinal use. I think it's been like that. That's been legal for a while. They're now legalizing it, as are other states. I think there's six or seven other states in the US have done the same thing. One thing a bunch of companies had tried to get into was to deliver by drone, Mm -hmm. because they do do drone deliveries in California, but not of marijuana. Company one was called M Delivers, one was called Ease, one was called Trees Delivery. (laughs) And none of these companies are allowed to deliver it by drone you know they've got fairly tight regulations on the legalization of pot 
Deliveries can only be made in person by enclosed motor vehicle. Cannabis goods may not be visible to the public during deliveries. Cannabis goods may not be left in an unattended motor vehicle unless the vehicle has an active alarm system. They also have aviation rules in the States that require that aerial drones fly within a pilot's sight. So even if those rules were changed, which Amazon and other retailers are trying for, mm-hmm. local governments and states may still regulate how marijuana is distributed. Yeah, it's, I guess at this stage, it's a bit of a gamble. You don't want to go too hard on uh, relaxing regulations and allowing certain things to happen when it's just been legalised. So it might be in a period of five to ten years that uh, that's reviewed and maybe changed. Exactly, as the technology develops. And don't forget, on September 15, the Cassini orbiter that's been out at Saturn for the last 13 years, giving us a stunning image of the ring system and the moons it's the end of its mission it's out of fuel it's going to be beaming back data right up until the moment that it crashes deliberately into the atmosphere of saturn so go to i think it's saturn.jpl.nasa.gov is the website and you'll be able to watch that there'll be a live event marking the end of that historic mission john what have you got for us for years i've been uh, talking about battery technology particularly smartphones and how you can improve that and that really is to me one of the final frontiers i mean we've got better screens now we've got bigger displays or smaller displays thinner phones all that Mm. but what we're trying to achieve is better batteries now i tend to talk about it in terms of better performance in terms of uh, charge lasting longer but one of the things that maybe i had missed was the security aspect of a battery you know it was very visible last year when we had the issues with the note 7 where the batteries were exploding and there's rules now you can't take them on planes particularly in australia i'm not sure about the rest of the world uh, because of the fear of a note 7 battery exploding now this is a problem within lithium ion rechargeable batteries not just for smartphones but across electronic cigarettes electronic vehicles or hoverboards or anywhere else where rechargeable batteries may be used right and it's because of a conducting liquid that you have within the battery itself okay and that is flammable if the battery is somehow damaged and then that uh, liquid actually overheats or shorts out it can actually ignite and explode and that's what what was the actual problem with the note 7 right but there's been a team of researchers at the university of maryland and the u.s army research laboratory and they've potentially found a way around this Mm -hmm. and that's by using a water-based salt solution instead of the flammable liquid within these battery cells so they've been able to essentially generate four volts which is a similar voltage to the lithium-ion batteries with the conducting flammable liquid and it just means that you can do this without the other safety concerns that are inherent in those other old style batteries now it hasn't gone through the cycles test so at the moment it's done 50 cycles and still been performing well but a lithium-ion battery has to do many thousands of cycles to be applied in a commercial sense so this is a great step forward it can be safer and maybe better for everyday consumers so looking forward to that but we need to uh, wait a little bit more testing um, mm-hmm. before that can occur mm-hmm. on uh, computers we've we've seen an issue recently with 750,000 or at least uh, laptops that had spyware shipped as part of these laptops and these were from Lenovo yeah, so right. if you've purchased a Lenovo computer in the last three years you potentially have this pre-installed, pre-installed spyware yeah cool it's called visual data and this is uh, like it's a software that was added on what it's doing 
doing is it's acting as like a, a man in the middle attack. So if you log on to a website, then it would act, it actually sends that login information via this system through to them and then also to, to the end destination. Hmm. If any other information, emails that come through to you, all the activities you're doing there basically are being sent across to this third party. Lenovo have acknowledged that they've done the wrong thing. They're actually doing a bit of a payout now. This is particularly in America to fix up these errors. It's nowhere near what they should be paying. If you want to know if you're part of this, we'll put links in the show notes. It does cover a number of series. So mm-hmm. the E-series, Edge series, Flex series, G-series. There's a whole heap and we'll right. put a list uh, on there. There so is a website. Any, is, these are the Lenovo products around the world. This is not just ones that were sold in America. That, that's right. Yep. So if you have a Lenovo laptop that you've purchased within the last three years, it would be worth doing a search. Maybe you could search on Superfish uninstall instructions and then put Lenovo as well. There is a dedicated web page to help you work through that in terms of removing the spyware off your system. Okay. We have heard about Russian influence in the US election and we're yet to see some proof. Mm. There's talks about how it's being tied between the, the Kremlin and you know through to the Trump campaign or, or others. Mm. It has now been suggested that there has been a Russian firm tied to a pro-Kremlin propaganda group advertised on Facebook during the election period. And it seems to be that the advertisements were occurring more during the 2015 cycle rather than the 2016 cycle. The election was during 2016. And it was a portion of ads that were directed at people in a geographical sense, so within America. It was focusing either on the presidential campaign nominees of Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. It did touch upon some key issues and was sending essentially uh, propaganda messages. Now, Facebook haven't released the actual ads because that's against their policy, but they were in front of a congressional meet, basically said, look, we have found that there has been some influence. We have tracked it back to a, a trolling team that it does appear that they have purchased ads in order to sway the debate a little bit. Hmm. It doesn't suggest how much influence this did have, hmm. but it does highlight that there was meddling from the Russian government, hmm. or well, at least from an advertising agency that is somewhat connected to the, the Kremlin. Why would they is. want Trump there? Well, maybe it is helpful to them. I'm not sure. I mean, look at how he has been performing and he's been maybe imploding a little bit or dividing the country. Mm. Maybe that there's some... Mm. Yeah, some maybe they want, the Russians just wanted to see America fail. Mm. Yeah. Now, we talk about AI quite a bit on this show. One of the interesting aspects is that AI has recently learned how to recreate Super Mario Brothers, so the old school game, by watching somebody else play it. It's not learning how to play the game. It's Mm. actually learning how Mario plays, kind of a different aspect of that. So how to to produce the game, how to create the game. Yes, recreate it. It's watching as Mario goes along and it's watching, okay, it can jump this high, so it's looking at what height that is, or it can throw a fireball or it can increase in size or decrease in size depending on what object it hits or it jumps over. And so it's being used as by a team of researchers from the Georgia Institute of Technology, they're trying to learn how video games work. So not necessarily how to play them, but how they work. They've actually got a paper called Game Engine Learning from Video, and they describe how they can recreate the game engine of a title such as Super Mario Brothers. Hmm. The idea is that if you can learn this basic step and then you can recreate it, then maybe you can apply it to other real world things. If you can review and build from a game, maybe you can do the same from real life. So it could be 
how crowds interact or you know what happens in political environments or mm. things like that mm. and then actually use that technology maybe to recreate it in a digital sense and also look at predictions ai can be good at predictions so what can happen are they using grand theft auto to train self-driving systems for cars the game's modeled on real world anyway yes better than having the cars out there crashing into real people train them up there train them up look we see that uh, pilots do that you know in a flight simulators, flight simulators mm. before they even take off mm. they're out there and operating this big simulator to learn so this is essentially ai taking over that thanks for listening and head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media we welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows